0: stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Well, good morning. I hope everybody had a restful night and gee, it's good to be here with you this morning and do some Bible study together. I like to study the Bible. It's a way to begin the day and to think about the Lord and how He moves in history and in modern day and we get to Recognize the glory of God in, in the things that we have and, and do. Uh, um, this morning we are in Ephesians and a study of that again. We are in the fifth chapter of Ephesians and we're going to go from probably, oh, uh, just about verse 21, 2021 20, on through the end of the chapter and talk about some Interesting things that Paul talked about. Here we go. I want to read this text to you in the living Bible because it has some interesting twists on the words that I want to give to you. But let us pray for a minute. Let me pray with you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this word from long ago which we are about to consider as we read it, let us welcome the Lord in the power of His Holy Spirit into our hearts. That what we read will become personal and important and memorable. We thank you for this, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your holy word and for giving us some time to give it consideration. For we ask these things in the name of thy son, Jesus. Amen. Verse 21. King, reading in Ephesians from the translation and version called the Living Bible. Honor Christ by submitting to each other. You wives must submit to your husbands. Leadership in the same way as you submit to the Lord. For a husband is in charge of his wife, the same way Christ is in charge of his body, the church. He gave his very life to take care of it and is its savior. So your wives must willingly obey your husbands in everything just as the church obeys Christ. And you husbands, show the same kind of love to your wives as Christ showed to the church when he died for her. To make her holy and clean, washed by baptism and God's word so that he could give her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish, being holy and without a single fault. That is how husbands should treat their wives, loving them as parts of themselves. For since a man and his wife are now one, A man is really doing himself a favor and loving himself when he loves his wife. No one hates his own body, but lovingly cares for it, just as Christ cares for his body, the church, of which we are parts. That the husband and wife are one body is proved by Scripture, which says, quote, a man must leave his father and mother when he marries so that he can be perfectly joined to his wife and the two shall become one, unquote. I know this is hard to understand, but it is an illustration of the way we are parts of the body of Christ. So again, I say a man must love his wife as part of himself. And the wife must see to it that she deeply respects her husband, obeying, praising And honoring him. And there ends the reading for this day. And we are going to now go by this on a verse by verse basis. And we're going to shift gears from this living Bible, which you have heard read, to a King James version, verse by verse, in which we're going to look a little closer now at what has been said about this institution or marriage that happens between Christ and his church. For you see, the odd thing about this text is it is often referred to to find Examples of what a Christian marriage ought to be. Now, you see, I've qualified marriage by putting Christian on front of it. Christian marriage identifies something. When you identify something, you presuppose that it's different from anything else. Uh, You you would say that a Christian marriage is different from an ordinary civil marriage. Many people will will maintain that. But a lot of marriages start out as Christian marriages, but they don't don't last, and they fall apart. And sometimes they ought to fall apart, because they're terrible things. (laughs) Nothing worse than a bad marriage. You get caught up in one. And freedom from it is a day of rejoicing. So, to qualify this thing in terms of a Christian marriage... And think that this is what this text is all about. is to be terribly mistaken. Terribly mistaken. Because it is about the love of Christ Jesus for his church. But you know what Paul is doing. He's, he's, he's very smart. And Paul has a way of teaching that is profound. He, he draws together the morals of that day and inserts upon it Christian theology. You see, the bride in in this text is the church. Without spot, without blemish, all that stuff. That's the church. The husband of this thing is Jesus, the Christ. So, he takes the morals of his day there, as best he understands it and ladens it with Christian theology to teach about Jesus and to teach about the church teach about how Jesus loves us but we have to we have to look at this thing in terms of the fact that it is in fact a Christian marriage because for ages the church has used this, And it's thinking when it thinks about somebody getting married in a church. They need to be exposed to teachings like this so that they will know what their duties are to one another. All right, let's begin in verse one. Let's say submit yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord God. You've got to understand that Paul believes that God is to be feared. And it's a hard thing to get modern people to think that way. Uh, In the great revivals of history, God was preached as a fearful God. Jonathan Edwards' famous sermon, in which many were were converted, had as its theme the sinners in the hand of an angry God. And he would talk about a God who was angry at us. We don't like to think about that, but the word phobia is there. It's a fear that is deep and real when it comes to God. You say God, people would run high behind a bush. That is to say, God had power. God was real. God could change human history. In 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 certain times God was everything. But now we're not so sure anymore. We want a loving God who we don't run from but run to because we we, 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 we don't disrespect him, but we don't have that same fear for what Paul does. Submitting yourselves to one another. Comes out of the fear of the Lord. Think about that for a minute. Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord, in verse 22. Now, here, here's the first injection of the Lord. That is to say that the Lord is that to which you are submissive as unto the Lord, unto the Lord. The wife, the bride, the church is to be submissive to the Lord in this way. As wives are submissive to their husbands. What does submissive mean now? This needs to be taken apart. This is a long Greek word. It sounds like hippopotamus. I can't say it, but that's what it sounds like. It has to do with the fact that you are appointed as an under officer. That is to say in the family is what this is mainly about family and children and are included in this thing. And so that the man may be an officer charged with making decisions, but the wife is a sergeant, a top sergeant, a non-commissioned officer who also makes the right decisions, but she does it differently. And, and by the way, this is a military term. The Greeks used this in Military order of battle. And you still see it today in the military, where you have an officer making decisions, and a sergeant who carries them out. The sergeant will turn around, get the order from the captain, and he'll turn around to the to the soldiers and tell them, "Get in line." And and the officer don't 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 go to the soldier and just give him an order. Uh, 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 he goes to the sergeant and tells the sergeant to go give the order. And this is a similar way the husband and wife relationship begins to be born here. You see, uh, it works out so that the the man is 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 charged with the job of making decisions, but not charged with with carrying them out. So, so here we have in this first first time of a wife beginning now this sense of submission. This is not not unusual. This is a part of ordinary uh, wedding life in Greek situations. In Paul's day, Paul's got nothing new here except the injection of Jesus into the same old morals. You put Jesus in any marriage and you're going to have fruitful results. Now, Paul knows this. That's what he's trying to do. See, he's sneaking it in there. He's, he's, he's allowing them to understand, well, what we think about marriage is OK. All we have to do now is recognize Jesus in the midst of it. And then verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. See that see, see that Christ in there again, and Savior of the body? Yeah. Yes, now. Yes, uh, the wife, the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, of, of his body, the Savior of his body. Not the boss of it. Not, not, not the, the husband is not the boss of it, but he makes the the church he makes the wife the lord makes the. he is the savior of the church uh but the wife still has the power the bride has the power here in the, in very real in the very real sense uh if if it in, in plays itself out this way if a if a woman tells a man he has a good, pretty necktie on. If you watch him, the man will look at his necktie and be lost in his necktie in five minutes. She'll take every bit of power away from him by complimenting his necktie. And he'll look down at oh, and he was. it is a pretty necktie, is it? Yeah, and she says, well, why don't you wear it? Well, I'm going to because it's so pretty. See, he thought it was his idea. It wasn't his idea. It was the wife's idea because that's the way it is. If she says it so. If the sergeant says it's so, she makes the head understand that it is so by him not necessarily agreeing with it. Okay. If she says it's so, it's so. But he's not to boss it, not to be the boss. Now, some marriages don't work this way. Some don't work this way because uh they just don't. But if Christ is in a Christian marriage, the thing takes on life, takes on beauty. Not just civil. Not just a civil marriage. In verse thirty four, therefore as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Stand under st- standing under him as a as a second in command, but yet in in control of of the fighting in the battle, you know, I remember not too terribly long ago, one Easter, I was standing in line getting ready to go into church, and uh, this woman sided up to me and began to talk to me about about the church and some of the things there. And I knew some things about them, and I was sharing with her and talking with her. And up underneath of my right arm was my wife Amanda up underneath there, you know. And uh I was talking to this woman, talking to this woman. Talk to this woman. And the next thing I knew, Amanda was becoming annoyed by that. You know, she was getting, a little, this woman was getting a little too close to me. And the next thing I knew, I saw Amanda's hand come up between me and this other woman. And on this hand was this big old diamond ring of hers that she's married to me. And she sort of flashed it around a little bit and made herself known. And you see, she was standing under me, but not giving me a pass at the same time. You got this? Uh, Women are the neck. The man is the head all right, but the woman is the neck. That is, she turns the head. She she can turn the head. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for it. Same thing works the other way. Tell Tell your wife what you want her to be. Uh, this is this is Greek this is a Greek form of marriage Christian marriage is different from other kinds a little, little, little different uh, Greeks by the way are beautiful people and, and you, you need to consider this in passing a text like this because we are talking to people to whom Paul wrote as a Roman and a jew into a Greek culture and he understood Greek culture all right he certainly did but he's writing into it, writing into it, and and the Greek people are not Jews, and and the Greek people are not Roman, they're just as happy-go-lucky as they can be, they're some of the most beautiful human beings on the the face of the planet, but I think they're all beautiful, but when they have a wedding, they, they, they go through something, I'm telling you, they dance all night long, they have... These two big wedding candles that represent Jesus, humanity, and divinity. They read this text. In, in a Greek Orthodox church, the text that we read this morning is read to every bride and groom as they stand in the altar so that they will know what they're supposed to do when they get married. And if you want to marry a, a Greek Orthodox person, you've got to become one. Or you got to become one. You can't just walk in and... And get married like that, you got to become one. And, uh, and so, this is the this 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 text is written to a a bunch of people that, that love life, that love being married, that love each other, and love love. And uh, great people are, are are lusty and uh, stylish and, and beautiful. And even a part of the ceremony of, of being married is a thing called a Dance of Isaiah. They go around the, the altar three times. The priest pulls the couple in the wedding party and make three circles around the altar. Father, Son, Holy Spirit is singing this song from Isaiah where Emmanuel will come into the world. You know, Jesus will come into the world. Beautiful thing. So the weddings of today are a reflection of the weddings of yesterday. And a, a wedding in a Greek Orthodox church is a sacrament, just like it is in a Roman Catholic church. It's sacramental. We Protestants, we don't have a sacramental sense of what a marriage is. We, we, we don't have It's not a sacrament. We only have two, baptism and the Lord's Supper. They got seven. And they say, they got a whole pile of things that are held sacramental. You don't mess with them. You don't move them. You don't change them. So, Marriage is important to them. In verse 25, husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for it. Oh, my. Oh, my. Think think of that. A husband is supposed to love his wife that much, that much, as Christ loved the church. What does Christ do for the church? I ask you. The main thing is Forgiveness. He forgives it. A husband must be a forgiving person. In order to forgive readily and quickly, you've got to be gentle. You've got to be kind. You can't be hot-tempered and hot-headed. You've got to be easy, 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 easy. Because, you see, it's a significant thing that the Lord here says that you must love her as Christ loves the church. And here Paul now, again, once again, sneaks into the marriage, this whole idea of Christ and how much Christ loves His church. And see, these Greek men can, can, can understand that. And they, they think, oh, how many times I've lost my temper with my wife. How many times? And, and, oh, I'm supposed to love her as Christ loves the church. Oh, and at the same time, I'm scared to death of God. I'm afraid of God. And I think about how many times I've done wrong and, and I don't want to do wrong anymore. And God help me. Hey, come save me. See, there you go. That's how it works. Now, I told a story. I had a man one time whose wife left him uh, for her boss, who was a, a man wealthy, had a boat, had a, had a cabin cruiser. And his wife left this man and went on the boat with this rich boss of hers. On a cabin cruiser, and started down the Chesapeake Bay. And uh, what does the man do when he finds out? Well, he comes to my parsonage, and sits down, and tells me his tr- troubles. Starts talking about how his wife has left him, and how how he doesn't know what he's gonna do, and, and he, he's he's remorseful about it all, you know. And I'm listening to him, I I'm thinking to myself, well, I, 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 she's ro- rotten eggs. I, I just don't, I don't know what he's doing word about her for. Let her go. You know, that's, that's what I was thinking. And then as we, he was talking and I was listening, the telephone rang and I went to the telephone, picked it up, the me, held it to my ear, and it was this woman that had just left this man and her boss in the expensive cabin cruiser had put her off on a dock somewhere down the Chesapeake Bay. And she said to me on the phone, I understand my husband is there. Can I talk to him? and I thought, well yeah he's right here. Hold on a minute, and I put my hand on his scissors. come here you, you, come here your, your wife's on the phone. all right. I gave him the phone. He took the phone now, if it had been me on the phone, I would have said something like this yes, are you on the on a dock down in the chesapeake Bay are you at the end of the dock? Yeah, well, jump overboard. hang up. <laughs> but he did not do that. He did not do what I expected to do. Amen. He took that phone from me and cradled it on his cheek and he said, Oh baby, I uh, where are you? And she told him. He said, oh, don't you worry about a thing. I'll come on down there and get you. I'll come get you. And it'll be all don't don't worry about it. Don't don't apologize. I'll be there before you know it. Where did you say it was? And she told him where it was. He put his hand over the receiver and looked at me and said, do you know where this place is? And I said, yeah, I know where it is. He said, will you go with me? And I said, yeah, anybody that loves a woman that much, I will go with you. I'll go. In fact, I will drive you there. And he said, okay, baby, please preacher not come in there. boom, Went and got her. Isn't that some story? Well, that's how, see, Christ loves a church that way. No matter what you do, if you go to him, if you call him up and say, Lord, I'm sorry for what I did. I, 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 I I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He will say, don't you worry about it. You, I'm going to take care of you. I died for you. I went to all that trouble to die for you. Don't you think I'm the promise that you can't keep? Listen, I'm going to keep my promise. Jesus keeps his promise. Well, husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church. Verse 29, that he might sanctify, cleanse it with the washing of the water and the word. Hallelujah. He just washes it, washes it, washes it. Now he got verse 28, so ought men love wives as their own body. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, even as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and his bones. See the inference sort of side off to Holy Communion. For we are members of his body, of his flesh. See, he's getting down there to work on that. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined unto his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. Drawing that old text from the deep within the Old Testament. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Whoa. Here he comes right out and tells them. He's not talking about marriage. He's talking about the love of Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife as even himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. All right. That's verse 33 in the conclusion of the chapter. But we've got to pick up this thing about Reverence, her husband. Uh, that's been twisted around back, back in the early days of, uh, Christian marriage. We had obey in the, in the liturgy. A woman must obey her husband. This comes from that word reverence. Reverence was twisted around to be obedience. And in, but it really means kind of like worship him. And <clears throat> before, you may think that sounds worse yet. The worship, a wife needs to worship her husband, but If you, a a woman makes a man by what she tells him. And if he, if he will listen to her and she tells him good things, he will believe it. He will believe it. And, and, and will make him be what she wants him to be. Uh,
1: There's another
0: story of a woman, a prayer woman who, who loved her husband very, very much, but her husband reached middle age and had some sort of a fling with his secretary and, and left town with her and and swore he was going to love her forever. And they went away and some hotel or somewhere. And what happened was the woman didn't want that old man. And she kicked him out and told him so. And so he went home to his wife who knew that he had left her for this younger woman. And, She was a church lady in town, a big church lady. And when her husband came home, everybody in town knew about it because this man had a business in town, big business. And they knew that he had left his wife and gone off with his young secretary. And when he got home to his wife, the people in the town were saying, boy, now he's going to get it now. He's going to get it now. Uh, You know, she's going to throw him out for good. And that's going to be the end of him. And that's going to be wonderful. We're going to be so glad to see it happen, too, because that's not right. That's not right. That's, well, lo and behold, the woman met him on the doorstep and took him back in like he was the king of the earth. Just the king, the king of the earth. She looked up to him and told him how handsome he was and everything else. And the town remembered, the town remembered that that Sunday, that very Sunday, she took that man back to that same church where she was a big church lady, and took that rebellious man back to her church. And it was said that you could see them walking down the street, and she was looking up at him as if he was the king of the earth, and he swole all up just like he was. Oh, there's power in that. I know it seems that some things can't be forgiven, but most things can. And that was. And there was power in that. Is this like Christ to do something like that? Isn't it just like Jesus to turn around and forgive somebody that you want to see get punished? My goodness, I wish he'd stop doing that. (laughs) But that's what he does because he's Lord and Lord of life. Now, it needs to be said when we close up here that you can bless uh, anything. You can bless anything. But your marriage can be blessed, too. Your marriage can be a great blessing. And it may, be, it may not be. But uh, God can enable miracles in this department. Now, Paul used this to talk about Jesus. Remember, Jesus makes you who you are. Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And it's so. And that brings our time together to an end. Just submit to one another as uh, as you can. Just like demons do to Jesus. Just just be obedient. Let us pray. Accept our time together, Lord, as a sweet-smelling offering to you. Let us be thankful for the glitter of the Greeks and the beauty of Of Christian marriage and the bride of Christ, who is the church, without blemish. For these things and all these things, we give you thanks, though, Lord God, we do. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Have a great day. God bless you all. God bless. Bye-bye. Shallow your me i